Book of Genesis, the 15th chapter. So this evening is uh, November 21st. It is 2012. And uh, we're going to begin in Genesis 15, verse 6. Our message tonight is called Take Possession. Take Possession. So as we get to Genesis 15, y'all tell me when you're there. There. I know everybody is dreaming of fried turkey. Your minds are consumed with the feast that will be tomorrow, but I have a feast in the Word tonight. Amen. Amen. Here comes Genesis 15 and the sixth verse. Abraham believed Yahweh, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Anybody in here have credit? Credit is when somebody gives you something that you've not earned. There may be a price to pay for it. It might come at 21% if you were... In the used car business in Louisiana, we went all the way up to 36%, right? Those were the maximum usury laws, expensive credit. This credit is no less expensive. We say salvation is a free gift for everyone, but it costs you your whole life. Your will is no longer your will. The very members of your body are submitted to his kingdom and his will. You literally leave this citizenship in favor of a heavenly citizenship, Every breath, every word you give an account for, you are credited with righteousness. You couldn't earn it, but you will spend the rest of your life walking in it, serving it, living by it. Abram believed the Lord, and he, was, and he credited it to him as righteousness. No work got him there, but it proved that he was there. The way we know Abram believed God is he walked with him. I want to draw your attention to the seventh verse. Maybe, maybe one of my favorite verses. He also said to him, I am Yahweh. <laughs> I am who I am. He said to him, I am Yahweh, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. Why? To take possession of it. Our God puts something before us and he says, it's yours. It's yours. Now take it. He calls you out of one place and into another. Out of an old life and into a new. And he says, Brandon, the new life is yours. Now take it. He tells you that it's yours. He says he's giving it to you. He says, it's the land I promised you. Now take it. He calls you out of something and into something else. He gifts it to you. He says it's yours and then says you must take it. So you want to say, which is it? Do I take it or was it given to me? And it's both. He gives it to you and says you must fight for it. But the battle belongs to me and I will empower you. So Abram was in his own land, the land of Ur of the Chaldees, but the Lord brought him out. And when he brought him out, he took him to a new place and said, now possess it, live in it, dwell in it, be intertwined in it, take over it, manage it, administrate it. If he was in the new land, where was he not? He was not in the old land. And if he's in the old land, where is he not? In the new land. He can't be in both positions at one time, friends. He is either in the old land or he is in the new land. So let me ask you, are you in Christ or out of Christ? If you are in Christ, then you cannot be outside of Christ. And if you are outside of Christ, it is not possible for you to be at the same time inside of Christ. Our God has called us out of an old life and into a new life. And he said, I give it to you. 
Now take possession of it. Say, how do I do it? You walk as I walk. He said, come here, son. Take a step. Hear my voice. Do what you see me doing. The kingdom is here. Luke, the 17th chapter, the 21st verse, they had asked him. They said, when will the kingdom come? He said, it's not going to come with your careful observation. It's not the kind of thing you can say, here it is or there it is. He said, the kingdom is within you. One translation says the kingdom is among you. They were in it and didn't know it. How is that possible? They had never taken possession of it. It's like sitting in church and hearing a message and getting familiar with it, but never walking in it, never grabbing hold of its power, never being moved by it. I give you the kingdom now take possession of it. The apostles preached the kingdom is at hand. Repent from your own way. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is on you. It's enveloped you. It's among you. Now take possession of it. How many of you in here have been to Disneyland? But everybody in here has heard of Disneyland, right? Everybody in here can tell me something about Disneyland. You can say there's a mouse with giant ears there. You can say there's roller coasters there. You can tell me all about Disneyland. You can teach me three points in a poem week after week about Disneyland. But if you've never been there, you didn't experience it like I have. This is how people treat the kingdom. They know all about it. They know it's here. They can describe it. They can tell you of it. But they never took possession of it. When you have taken possession of the kingdom, when it is here now, you are not in Ur of the Chaldees anymore. You cannot be in both places at once. Turn with me to Romans 1.17. Tell me when you're there. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What places you in the kingdom? Faith does. Trusting God puts you inside of His kingdom. No longer in her of the Chaldees, now inside of his kingdom. But faith must continue to work in you. You must continue to trust him every new step so that you are possessing the kingdom. You're not just familiar with it. You don't know what color it is or how it tastes or feels. You're actually moving and operating in it. A whole new way of life for a new species of human being. The kingdom, the sons of the kingdom. This begins in faith and it ends in faith. And there must be faith between the beginning and the end. It is a life of utter abandonment of your own will and the acceptance of His. You don't have the right anymore to decide that your way is more expedient. You don't have the right anymore to say, I would rather take a comfortable path. You don't have the right anymore to do it your own way. If the kingdom is on you and you are in the kingdom, then we do it the king's way. It's the king's dominion. He has a prescribed way, and it is by faith from beginning to end. I, I implore you by the power of the Holy Ghost to resist the easy path, to resist everything that would say, well, I, I know this is what he wants, but I'm, I'm going to do it this way and pray he blesses it anyway. It will not work. You will end up describing a kingdom in a distance. You will end up telling people facts about the kingdom. You can be a tour guide that has never actually been inside the park. But if you're of the kingdom, you know what's available to you? Kingdom power. Kingdom power. It's not your power. What kind of power is it? Kingdom, kingdom power. 
That's where we're going with this message. But before we get there, I'd like to go to 1 Corinthians 1. When you get to 1 Corinthians 1, slide your finger down to the 28th verse. Say there when you were there. In the 28th verse, we see these words. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. <laughs> yeah, that about describes it, doesn't it, Rick? Nobody ever walked up to me and said, you're obviously of noble birth. <laughs> Nobody ever walked up and said, oh, I'm just so happy to be in the presence of a Stevens. It's never happened. I have had people say, what's your last name? And my fist clenched and I took a step backwards. But I have never had anybody just fall down and say, oh, a Stevens is among us. Have you, Joe? Anybody ever said, a Harper? You are kidding me. There is a Harper in our midst? Just like Israel, the Lord didn't choose us because we were great. He chose us and set his affection upon us because there was nothing special about us, but we would be of his kingdom. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us. Come on now, say for us. For he us. has become for us what? Wisdom. Wisdom from God. That is our righteousness. Did you earn your righteousness? No. But he became righteousness for you. Holiness and redemption. He became righteousness, holiness, and redemption for who? So you can stand confidently and say, I am righteous. Not I will be righteous. Not I hope to be righteous. Maybe I'm righteous. He credits you with His righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So how much of the devil's time has been spent lying to you, telling you, you are not righteous, not worthy. Every time you go to pray for the sick, every time you need a financial miracle, every time you want to step out and witness, you are righteous. Does it say, Curtis, that you're righteous if you feel good today? Come on now. Does it say, Nolan, you're righteous if you had a good week and were completely free from sin? It doesn't, does it? It doesn't say that you're righteous if you were kind to everybody in traffic. It doesn't, does it? He became for you righteousness. Come on now. The difference is we are not striving to be in the land that God has called. We are not striving to be in the kingdom. We are not striving to be righteous. He gave it to you and said, now possess it. Walk in it. Say, well, wait, I don't feel very righteous. Well, walk in righteousness. And you know what? You'll feel righteous. But he said you are righteous. Does the Bible lie, Mario? Is this a book full of lies? So if it says you're righteous, what are you, Mario? If it says you're righteous, then you are righteous. It might take as much faith to believe that you're righteous as it takes to believe Jesus raised people from the dead or that God raised him from the dead. It takes faith to walk out this kingdom thing. So let me ask you, if you're in the kingdom, if you're no longer in the world, if you are righteous, then what stops us? What is it that prevents us? Are we not our own worst enemy? Is there an internal dialogue that goes on in your head that says, I tried and failed and I can't do it again? Why do we not pray for every sick person we see? Is it because it's unscriptural to pray for the sick? 
Is it just inconvenient for us? Does it hurt our flesh a little bit? Does immediately a game begin inside your head, but what if they don't? Everything in the kingdom is from faith to faith to faith. He didn't say that you could become righteous. He didn't say you could become holy. He didn't say that one day you would be redeemed. He said He had already become all of those things for you. Righteous, holy, redeemed. Y'all say that with me. Righteous, holy, redeemed. Are these the first three words you would use to describe your life before you heard this? If they're not, then maybe we need to adopt a more biblical view of our lives. If every time you pray you say, Lord, we're just sinners in your presence. Shame on you. Stop it. It's not scriptural. Quit it. Quit it right now. Because He became for you righteousness. You were a sinner in your own self. If all there was was you, then you would just be a pathetic, monstrous sinner before God under the wrath of God. But that is not what we are. We're no longer in the land of the Chaldeans. He said, this is your land. This is your righteousness. This is your holiness. Now take possession of it. This means walk in it, live in it, breathe in it, move in it. This is why Paul can tell the Thessalonians in the third chapter. He can say, I encouraged you. I I taught you so that you would live a life worthy of the high calling of God who calls you into His kingdom. The kingdom is among you. It's time that we walk in it, friends. This means that you have to be courageous, Judah. It means that you have to be bold, Judah. It means that we never take the easy route. We never pay less than the full price because the kingdom is worth all we have every time. Said, but I could be embarrassed. So what? The kingdom is worth it. But I, I could get hurt. So what? The kingdom is worth it. If you're anything less than a living martyr this day, then you are not a Christian. Say, well, how could you say that? It's not all destined that we die. If you hang on to your life, you lose it. If you've already agreed to lose your life, then you have found it. I hope one day to make good on my pledge to actually be a martyr. That's my highest ambition. Is that one day I might be allowed the privilege to give my life for Jesus. How can you stand back and protect your life, your reputation, your character, your finances, your food, your health, and call yourself a Christian? That is still the land of the Chaldeans. They worry about what they will eat. They worry about what they'll wear. They worry about a great many things, but we are to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And when that righteousness fills you, when it empowers you, when you move in what is already yours, hell trembles. When I was first born again, they had a psychic fair that year in our, in our hometown. I was reading about high places and Asherah poles. And on every telephone pole in Baton Rouge, it said psychic fair. You remember that, David? We drove around and we took them down day and night. I mean, when I got off work, I was climbing telephone poles. I pulled down every one that I found because I read that Gideon cut down an Asherah pole. But we didn't stop there. I went to the psychic fair. It was held at the Hilton. I found people of every church denomination there looking for something more. So I went into a class. It was taught. It was a witch. She was teaching on the occult. She began her class by saying, 
many things are true in spirituality. The Bible contains truth. As if, <clears throat> excuse me, what do you think about this verse? You should put a, a sorcerer to death. Well, I'm not real fond of that. I bet you aren't. And God's not fond of your life. You need to repent. You know what? People got out of the class and ran. When I left the class, we went to where they sold the tickets. People paid $40 to enter in to find out about more enlightenment. I said, who runs this thing? Where is he? I'm 18 years old. I've been in the kingdom less than six months, but I'm in the kingdom, and I know it. And when you know something, friends, that makes you powerful, doesn't it? I mean, you're not guessing anymore. You know. She said, well, I don't think he'll talk to you. I said, where is he? Well, then let's, let's find out. A man looks up in the distance. I look up, our eyes meet, and he turns and runs. And I said, is that him? She said, yes, that's him. He was fast. I couldn't catch him, see? But an 18-year-old, six-month-old Christian, 18 years in the world, six months in Christ, and you can chase devils. You can chase them if you just know what you have. When you enter into the promised land, if these guys are giants in your eyes and you're a grasshopper in your own, then you leave in defeat and you spend another 40 years out in the desert. But if you surmise in your faith that God is able to perform what He's promised and you don't waver, but you rise to the challenge because you trust God, they will fall. They will fall one after another just like the sickness in His hands fell last Sunday. We have seen it over and over and over. But you know what it requires? What's it require, Judah? Courage. Courage. It requires you to be strong and courageous and not do it the world's way. Not try to bring Ur of the Chaldees into the kingdom. God doesn't want it. He doesn't need it. And He will not accept it. There are no cowards in the kingdom. There are no vile. There are no sexually immoral. There are no one who can be seduced away from the ways of God. How much of that internal dialogue is the devil trying to seduce you away from the ways of God? You'll never have any money if you don't do it this way. Your kids will get sick and you won't be able to do anything if you do it this way. If you do it this way, he's always lying. He's always lying, but you forget. You're not trying to make the kingdom. You're in the kingdom now. Now it's our job to take possession of what He's already given us. The kingdom is here. Come on, say it. The kingdom is here. Is there death in the kingdom? Is there tears in the kingdom? Is there disgrace in the kingdom? Because in the fullness of the kingdom, none of those things exist. And where does the kingdom start? Among us. Within us. So let's start by wiping away our own tears. Let's start by pushing away disgrace from us. Let's start by victory over death in us. And then the kingdom that He put in us will expand to the world. You say, oh my goodness, pastor's gone kingdom now. He's an amillennialist. Some of you don't even know what that is. And praise God, I hope you never do. <laughs> I realize that the kingdom starts with us and that the world has not received it. I realize that. The world will not receive it until our king comes on a white horse. But it starts with me and I want to do my part. I'm not going to sit back and ask Jesus to do what he's already told me to do. I'm not going to sit back and say, Jesus, go heal the sick when he told me to heal the sick. I'm not going to say, Jesus, send an angel to preach the kingdom because I won't do it and you told me to. I believe that I'm in the kingdom. And I'm going to take possession of the kingdom. Anybody in here want the kingdom? Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Now you want a bridge club. You, you want a Sam's membership or maybe a crocheting group or something. Do you want the kingdom? Yeah. The kingdom is taken by the forceful. 
Matthew said it. Luke said it. Luke 16, 16 said it. And we force our way into it. Who are you forceful with? First, your own flesh. Secondly, the environment around you. You say, hell no! You can't get into me. I'm in the kingdom. I'm not letting Herb the Chaldees influence me anymore. I don't live in that land. I don't serve its prince. Mm -hmm. I died to that. Now, heaven is my master. Come on, heaven is my master. Heaven is my master. When you live with heaven as your master, you begin to see heaven on the earth. Go with me to Colossians 1. If this doesn't make it clear, nothing will. Colossians 1. And the 13th verse. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. A dominion of darkness could be called a kingdom of darkness. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Come on, Cody Schmidt. Does it say he will bring you into that kingdom? It says that he brought you into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Not you will have redemption. What do you have right now? Redemption. redemption. I am redeemed. I am no longer in darkness. Where am I? In light. When you begin to believe that you live in the kingdom of light, you will act like you live in the kingdom of light. If you were on a cruise ship and you had absolutely no idea what your ticket bought you, you wouldn't know that you could go to the banquet. You wouldn't know that you could go to the sauna. You wouldn't know that you could jog on the deck. You might think that you had to stay confined to your little room. But if the master of the ship showed up and said, the ticket gave you access to it all, how dare us stay in our little theological box? How dare us be so frightened of what happens out there that we stay in here? He brought us from darkness to light. Not he will, not he's in the process of, not one day we hope to achieve. We're no longer in darkness, no longer in Ur of the Chaldees. We are now in the kingdom. How many of you long to be in heaven? Amen. You are? Well, I'm not in heaven the way that I will be. No, because everybody else is not with us. There will be a day when there is no sin left in this planet. There will be a day when there is no death left in this planet. Was there sin in Jesus? No. Is there death in Jesus right now? No. And you're in Jesus. Mm. You are in Jesus. Am I wrong? Mm. Some theologian out here want to correct me? Didn't, didn't he pray in John 17 that we would be one with him, him with us? Didn't he in John 15 tell us we were in him and he in us? We are in Jesus. We're waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. And it's your example that shows them what heaven looks like through your actions. Would you believe, would you believe the Gospels if they were simply a collection of Jesus speaking and he never demonstrated the kingdom? Would anybody have believed him? If there was no resurrection of the dead, if there was no multiplication of food, if there was no curing of diseases, if there was no casting out of demons, if there were none of those things, he could have been a Hindu. In fact, Gandhi quoted him all the time, but he didn't do those other things, did he? Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was in the kingdom and his actions proved he was in the kingdom. Our actions need to testify with our words that we're in the kingdom. This means you can bear up under unimaginable suffering. 
It means that you can smile in the face of the most vicious hate. It means that you absolutely can put your hands on the sick and they recover. It absolutely means that you can pray for the dead and they will live again. Or else, we're not in the kingdom and the book is a lie. But the book is not a lie. It's not for a select faithful few. It's not just for a couple people out there who have an amazing anointing that you don't have because you are in the kingdom. Turn with me to Ephesians 2. Tell me when you're there. Y'all are awful quiet. I've said something that made you think. That's good. That's good. I see smoke rising from some of your ears right now. Say, oh my goodness, we're supposed to do that? Mark 16 says, these signs will follow them that believe. Mm -hmm. It says it. A friend of mine in Port Lavaca says it's very simple. The reason that we don't see these signs is because we don't believe. But he believes. He believes. And so he sees the signs. Are you in Ephesians 2? Yeah. Yeah. As for you, you were dead. Uh, do we have a gospel if Jesus was never dead? Isn't, isn't the heart of the gospel the resurrection of the dead? It's amazing that your walk starts the same place the gospel does. You were dead. When Jesus died, what happened? He was raised to life. And so the gospel begins in your life when you die. And he raises you to a new life. Once Jesus was raised to a new life, could he die again? He had kingdom power. He said, but wait a minute, Eric, our bodies are still dying. You still have kingdom power. And you will be raised in a body that never dies. The same power that was exerted in Jesus, Ephesians says, is at work in you who believe. Oh my goodness, you mean we can be in the kingdom and not take possession of it because we refuse to believe? Whatsoever things you ask for in prayer, believing that you receive, you have received. So is the problem that the gospel doesn't work or is the problem that we don't believe? You are in the kingdom. We must stretch our faith muscle. We must engage the enemy at all costs. We must go rescue the weak. And we must take the devil head on with the advance of the kingdom. You know why? The world is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is at, now at work in those who are disobedient. That's where we used to be. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. If you were dead and you're now alive, what is that? Resurrecting power. At work in you. Not will be at work in you. At work in you now. If you were dead and you're now alive, if that regenerating work of God is at work in you, that is resurrection power. Rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. By the way, if it's when you were dead, if it's when you were under the prince of the power of the air, if it's when you were in the kingdom of darkness, he rescued you. What makes you think that now that you're in the kingdom and you slip up, he won't rescue you there? Are you worse off or better off? Are you closer to God now or further? 
you were in the worst shape that you could be in when he found you. And he didn't reject you then. Why do you think he rejects you now? It's the devil. He's a liar. He lies and lies and lies. A woman on Fox News said about a Democrat one time, he's a lying liar in a den of liars. He's a crap weasel. I didn't know that was a word, but it is. <laughs> if she were not talking about a political opponent, but we're talking about the enemy of our souls, she would have been right. And God raised us up with Christ. Let us think about that phrase for just a second. And God raised us up with Christ. Come here again. And God raised, lay down, raised us up with Christ. This is the picture of baptism, friends. He's in a watery grave. If you're Methodist, we're still just going to sprinkle it. He's in a watery grave. And God raised us up with Christ. Christ was the first that was raised. And now we are raised. And what's the second half of the verse say? And seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. It does not say, Nolan, that one day you will be seated in the heavenly realms. You are seated in the heavenly realms now. So I feel like my feet are on the earth. <laughs> you are his feet on the earth. He is our head. He is in the heavens. You are his feet. And he is making his enemies a footstool for his feet. You hear me? If we stand over our enemy like this, that is victory. And this is the picture that Jesus is bringing to us. He is in the heavens. You are standing on the earth and yet seated with him in the heavens because you are in him and he is in you. You are the means by which Romans 16.20 says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. You're the blunt tip of the sword. You're the end of the hammer. You're the sharp end of the stick, friends. We are how the kingdom advances. Do you believe that Jesus should leave his throne of righteousness and continue to suffer? Do you believe that Jesus should leave that throne of righteousness because he didn't get it all the first time? He didn't show a big enough victory the first time. Now he should be out there doing those things. Now he does it through you. You are his body. And if you believe you're in the kingdom and you take possession of it and kingdom rises against kingdom and light clashes with darkness, then you see the kingdom advance. Why do you think there's such a full court press on you to see yourself as something other than righteous, Larissa? Why do you think the devil is there all of the time trying to tear you down, Alicia? Why do you think he's whispering in your ear telling you you're something less than the full measure of Christ? He is scared to death that if you realize you're in the kingdom, you might start taking possession of it. And that means a full-scale butt-kicking for him. Now, some of you have lived such pristine lives, you don't know what a full-scale butt-kicking is. But I've been on, on both sides of that process. I've been so beaten and so bruised, I was embarrassed to go stand before my friends. And when I looked in the mirror, I couldn't remember the previous night because I had been hit so hard that 20-something years later, I still don't remember that night. That's a sad day. Spiritually, I'm no longer on that side of things, though, Zeke. Now I'm the one who is delivering that. Now listen, we don't need some preacher to come to our house and pray for our sick children. Praise God if they do. I hope that you have a preacher who will do that. Do you have a preacher who will do that? 
I hope that you all have friends who will do that because you are the most powerful thing that has entered the room because you are in the kingdom. Now take possession of it. Let us not ask everyone else to do the heavy lifting. Let us take responsibility for what Christ has given us. Do you believe that he gave David Hogan something that he will not give you? Do you believe that he gave Michael Brown something he won't give you or Benny Hinn or whatever other supposed great person there is? If you're in the kingdom, it is our job to take the kingdom. If God had wanted some superstar and that's all he had wanted, he could have left any one of them here. But they've all gone to be in his presence at some point. He wants ordinary men just like you who have been rescued from darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. You are seated with him in heavenly realms. <coughs> seated. You can't be in the Ur of the Chaldees if you're seated in the heavenly realms. This must mean that you are walking around in the world, but you are not of the world. It must mean that you are brushing shoulders with the lost, but you yourself are not lost. That you come face to face with death, but you are the very power of life because Christ is in you. There's this particular motorcycle cop in Sugarland. I've mentioned him many times before. Since I got rid of my truck, here I said that I got rid of my truck, since I was relieved of my truck. <laughs> since it was surrendered in the battle and reallocated for missions. I haven't run into him again. But Cody, why is it that I say yes sir to the cop? Why is it, Cody, that I do what he tells me to do? If he tells me to stand up, I stand up. If he tells me to put my hands on the car, I put my hands on the car. If he stands there and berates me in front of my sons, why do I sit there and take it? Because he has authority. If he didn't have that badge, <laughs> but he has it and he knows it you hear me if we were just two men standing in Shipley's because that's where I saw him last <laughs> he wouldn't speak to me like that if we were just two men in an elevator he wouldn't speak to me like that but we're not just two men He's one with authority, and I'm one that has not been invested with authority from the state. Mine comes from a higher place. My authority says that I can't treat him as my flesh would like to. Sometimes when I see that hat, and I think my feet would fit on both sides of it, Curtis, and it'd be like a pogo stick when I was a kid, right? But see, he has authority, and he knows it. I don't obey him because he has power that I don't have. He has fat that I don't have. I don't obey him because he's superior in his intellect than me. I don't obey him for any reason other than he's been given authority. I'm not suggesting that you're stronger than a devil. I'm not suggesting that you're smarter than a devil. I'm suggesting that you have authority that they don't have. And as soon as you know it, they will begin to obey you because they deal with your boss if they don't. Are you hearing me? This is how a 90-pound grandma who has reached her 90th year can command a demon who has wrecked the universe for a millennia. And he obeys. She has authority. When believers begin to realize that we're in the kingdom and that it is our job to take possession of it, we are no longer bullied. We are the bully 
on the block. Now, I know y'all are all so sweet, you don't like to think in those terms. There was a glorious time in my life. I had been picked on, I had been bullied. I was little. My parents liked to smoke weed and I was born premature. That is not a great mix for a muscular child. But about the seventh grade, changes started to happen to me. And I spent a good couple years paying back everybody who had troubled me. That's how the world works. The strong take advantage of the weak in the world. In the kingdom of God, the strong liberate the weak. You go look for those who are bullied by spiritual powers and you take them head on, nose to nose, eye to eye, forehead to forehead, because you have been given authority to rescue those who are imprisoned, to heal those with broken hearts. You've arrived. Say, well, how have I arrived? Christ did it for you and then gave you his badge. You hear me? He did it for you and he gave you his badge. Turn with me to Ephesians 1. The thing is, is sometimes it just looks like, I don't know, Reinhard Bunker's more gifted than you. Sometimes it just looks like, I don't know, name somebody. David Hogan is more gifted than you. Doesn't it seem that way? I mean, you ever been around somebody that was so prophetic they know what you ate for lunch yesterday? Because I have. Been fortunate to be in those kind of meetings. Been fortunate to have that flow through me. But I know exactly what it's like to be in a room and go, he's got a gift, he's got a gift, he's got a gift. And forget that the same spirit works all of them in all men. It's never about how gifted a man is. Either the presence of God is there, and so the possibility for any gift is there, or the presence of God is not there, but we are in the kingdom. Look what Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every Spiritual blessing. Every, all, complete, nothing left out. Every spiritual blessing. Tell me that you're praying to receive a gift. I'm going to tell you, you already have it if you're in the kingdom. You need to learn to release it. Amen. Tell me that you're asking for God to, look, I need to receive something from the Lord. And then you go into bomb shelter. You want to receive something from the Lord? Let's start with joy. How about that? You want to see somebody receive joy? It'll be supernatural, a miracle right before your eyes. We can watch it happen. You ready? Michael, you ready? I just got it. Joy. You know how we know I got it? Because it was mine all along. I've just decided to act in it. Are you hearing me? It's time to tell depression to get out of your life. It is time to tell this devilish, hellish garbage from Chaldea. To get out of the promised land because you are in the promised land. Walk in it. Take possession of it. I was praying one time that the Lord would pour on me the oil of joy. He said, get happy. And I did. Danced all over the house. Goofed off all evening. Joyful like a kid. It was great. No more burden about Christmas coming at the time. It was 1993. I had no money and Christmas was coming. I got her a sewing machine. She got me a hammer. 
humble beginning. Our prayer began to get answered. Not just for joy, but the wicked man who lived next door who was beating his wife had to find a new home. The person who was terrorizing the back of our apartments and injuring young ladies got arrested. Prayers began to get answered. Because I believed that when I received, that I, when I prayed, I received. I believed it. And we began to see it. I encourage you to not let your faith simply become a matter of weird words. The kingdom is a matter of power. It is a matter of power. Turn me to 1 John. Tell me when you're in the fourth verse. Look, it's on the screen. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Does it say you will overcome them, Bree? You know, one day if you train, maybe if you eat your Wheaties, if, if you do all of your exercises, you'll overcome them. Doesn't say that, does it? You don't overcome them because of your great effort, Sharon. You're a wonderful human being, but that's not why you overcome them. Patricia, it's not your, it's not your learning. It's not your study. We don't overcome them because of anything to do with us. We overcome them because we are in the kingdom. We overcome them because Jesus has already overcome them and credited it to us. He gave us His authority. He did the heavy lifting. He did the hard work. Now we walk in His work. By the way, when a Jew says, in the name of Jesus, this is what it means. It means to walk in His achievement. It means to walk in His reputation. It means to assign His character to you. It means that His body of work, His authority, character, and reputation is now yours. That's what it means. And when you're baptized into the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, into the name of the Holy Spirit, actually the way that scripture is written just for you very technical people is be baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One name, three characters. One name. See, there's one body of work, one authority, one character, one, rep one reputation at stake. It's the fullness of the deity. And you're immersed into Him. Amen. Dripping with Him. Sprinkled with Him, if you like. However you like. What was once death is now life. Walk in it. It's ours. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He's not just in me. I'm in Him. I am in Christ. I am a member of the body of Christ. I might be the toenail, but I'm there. <laughs> the body and the head will connect and the fullness of the kingdom will be upon us. But right now, I am His feet. I am His hands. His spirit inside of me is the beating heart of the body. This is not a low calling. This is a high calling in Christ. Turn with me to Luke 9. We're going to take possession. We're going to start and finish in faith. We are righteous, holy, and redeemed. We're not striving to be in the kingdom. We are in the kingdom now. We've been raised from death just like Jesus and are now in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit who works in men, all men, has manifestations of all gifts in all men. In Christ, we're in a new position. In Christ, we've overcome the enemy. Are you in Luke 9? Yeah. In Luke 9, let us start in the first verse. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority 
to drive out a few of the weakest demons. When Jesus had called together the twelve, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach, if you believe on Jesus, you go to heaven. He sent them out to preach, you go to Disneyland. What did he send them out to preach, friends? The kingdom. The kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's enveloping you. It's here, moving it, living it, breathing it. They went out and demonstrated the king's power so that people could enter into his dominion. And it begins with you. It begins with your choice. Too long salvation is presented as, do you want help in this life and heaven in the next? Close your eyes and raise a pinky and you'll be on a magic train to a ridiculous planet somewhere. It's stupid. It's absurd. It's beyond fairy tale-ish. It is not the kingdom. The kingdom is he has set up his dominion. It begins with my obedience and everywhere I walk in his obedience, his dominion is expanding and it will envelop the whole earth and will eventually even throw death out of it. Amen. That's the kingdom. And the proof of the kingdom was that God raised him from the dead and sat him in the highest place. And now he seats me with him and gives what is his to me. And it's available now. Not in some other dispensation. Now. Available now. Power now. What good would it be to me in a thousand years? What good would it be to me a thousand years ago? It's the kingdom now. Don't you tell me that he can save me if he can't heal me. Don't tell me that he used to do those things or maybe one day he'll do them again. You tell people that stuff when you're trying to sell them snake oil. You tell them you saw it work one time a thousand years ago or maybe it'll work if you hold your nose right or your ear right or something in the future. But the kingdom is not parlor tricks. It's now. So what's it look like? It looks like Rick's hand injured for 20 years but healed today. It looks like somebody's life damaged for 20 years, but now raised to be new. That's what the kingdom looks like. It looks like a new entity under heaven that's going to produce a beautiful legacy for God. The kingdom expanded. The kingdom now. Take possession of it. Walk in it. The kingdom is ours. They preached the kingdom of God and they healed the sick to demonstrate the kingdom of God. While you're in Luke, turn to the 10th chapter. I'm sorry, I know you thought you were going to get off light because tomorrow's Thanksgiving. <laughs> the 10th chapter, here comes the 18th verse. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you, what's that word? Authority. Authority. He's given you his badge to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome some of the power of the enemy. To overcome all the power of the enemy. Is Jesus a liar? But the kingdom works from faith to faith. Faith from beginning to end. You cannot stand in front of a devil and say, well, maybe you'll come out if I tell you to. Who is with me in Romania? Raise your hand if you were... Did it come out? Yeah. You were there. Am I lying about it? Could you make this stuff up? I talk to her every day. You ever seen a little girl anywhere in the world act like that? Look like a cat that you're trying to drown. She said the most vile things on the planet, didn't she? 
And she reacted even when little boys prayed for her. Or women prayed for her. You know why? We're of the kingdom. And the finger of God drives out devils. And we are the finger of God. We are his body. When we read it in Luke 9 earlier, it was not, you can cast out some devils. If you've prayed right, if you've fasted right, if you have a religious pedigree. Say, but Eric, there was that time that they, they, they couldn't do it. Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. In the Jewish mind, prayer and fasting means repentance. It means the denial of your flesh and the direction of your attention towards the kingdom. If they took possession of the kingdom, they can do anything that is the kingdom. It doesn't require you to go on a hunger strike. It just so happens that the denial of the flesh sometimes helps you focus on the kingdom. I love that people fast. I'm going to teach on it at my very next opportunity. I fasted many times in my life. Sometimes for very long time periods. Fasting doesn't make you more powerful. It makes you more focused. If it made you more powerful, the devil would not have come to Jesus in the 40th day of a fast. The devil is a coward. He does not look for the opportunity to pick the strongest moment of his opponent. He looks for the opportunity to find him in his weakest moment. Jesus was hungry, friends. But he was so focused on the kingdom that no matter what he was offered, he couldn't be seduced away from it. He couldn't be enticed out of it. He couldn't walk according to the world because the kingdom was his and he was possessing it. Boy, if you're offered the kingdoms of the world, what is that when compared to the kingdom of God? It probably was not nearly as tempting as it sounds like. Not to him. All the power of the enemy. He's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. He's given you authority over sexual immorality. He's given you authority over greed. Oh, here's a big one. Fear. He's given you authority over fear. You ever notice that if somebody has a symptom, fear begins to creep in? Pretty soon people are telling you what you have to do. They're telling you that if you don't do this, oh, it could be terrible. It could just be so bad. And then fear finds its voice through more than one. Fear in this one. Drips on fear in this one. Who drips on fear in this one? And before long, you're standing in a huddle that is telling you what you must do. No, we don't have to do anything other than what the King of Kings has told us to do. And anything that we do that's motivated by fear rather than faith is sin. Without faith, it's impossible to believe God. Please God. And Hebrews 11 teaches us that anyone who has faith believes that God exists in that situation and rewards those who seek Him. Don't make decisions that are based on fear. You'll regret it. People who choose to make a choice because they're scared that if they don't, they call that acting under impulse. <laughs> I was a car salesman. My daddy used to call it catching them while they're under the ether. He never sold anything in his life. He's such a sweet guy. He's in the kingdom. If you're Reacting to fear when you make your decision. It's an impulse buy. What generated the impulse? Your flesh. The land of the Ur of the Chaldees. The dominion of darkness. The grave that you were raised out of. 
We're not allowed to be prompted by our fear or our flesh anymore. We're only allowed to be driven by the Spirit. I would encourage you, friends, to picture yourself in the kingdom when you pray. To picture the king of the king, a king of kings, king of the kingdom, standing with you wherever you stand. And now tell me you're scared if you know he's standing with you. And he said that he would never leave you. I can tell you personally, I do better with an AK-47 put to my forehead than I do the thought that a child has a sickness. I'd whole lot rather give my life all at once than have to watch someone else suffer. You feel helpless, don't you? But you're not because you're in the kingdom. You take possession of it. The bully that is trying to intimidate you, you drive out of your house. He's scared of you, just like the man at the psychic fair was scared of me. You know what helped in that situation? I could see. You know what makes it harder when you're praying about sickness? You can't see it. Pray that God open your eyes. Perhaps he'll gift you with that. Every spiritual blessing is yours. If you could see them react to you. One man of God praying for a woman with a sickness cast devils out of her and many hours later she spoke to him and she said you couldn't hear it but they were saying maybe he'll give up I don't think he knows I don't think and they encouraged each other to try to hang on just a little longer but once one went then they all went that was Paul Yonggi Cho the first time he ever encountered a devil he didn't know what he had but the Lord was gracious to him and taught him and now hell fears his very name just like here in Paul. Turns me to Corinthians 15. We're going to get close to the end here. Are you tired? Are you bored? No. Would you rather go watch a movie? No. <coughs> rather go eat some Twinkies? They're not going to be around much longer. <laughs> I want the manna from heaven. I want Jesus. The end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion. When does the end come? After all dominion is destroyed. After he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. In Luke 10, 19, we found out you have power over all the power of the enemy. He's given you his authorization. He's made an allocation of heavenly power for you. He's given you the impartation. Any other shun you need. All the power of God is available for you. You just need to pick the fight that is of the kingdom. And you'll see it work. The end will come when the enemy is under you. Why do you think he works so hard to keep you from knowing who you are? The end will come when the enemy is put under his feet. Under his feet. Y'all remember that old Bethany song? He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan. Is that under my feet? I met a little old lady in 1994. It was dancing in the aisles of church. And the church I came from, that just didn't happen. 
so I was a little surprised. And I wanted to go meet her. So I talked to her. And she was so excited to show me her shoes, Curtis. And they were good-looking shoes. But she had Satan written on the soles of her shoes to remind her. I bet she couldn't bench press 35 pounds. Olivia, you'd crush her arm wrestling. Not a woman of great power, but a woman of great authority. And that means all the king's power. She had authority to use. Are you hearing me? If you give something power over you, it has power over you. If you submit to something to obey it as a slave, you are a slave to it. Be very careful what you say you can't control. Be very careful what you say you do not have power over. You might be writing the devil a prescription to be master over you. I do not like to hear people say they are subject to anything other than Jesus. I think it's a huge mistake. In my household, we don't even let our kids say that they are scared. They can say they're uncomfortable. They can say anything they want. They can say it's time to pray. But we don't dwell in fear in my house. And there's a reason for that. Put yourself in the enemy's shoes just for a moment. If you find out what it is that Jennifer thinks you can control her with, what are you going to use? If you've been taking medicine for something for 25 years and it hadn't gotten any better, you might consider it a spiritual problem. If you've been struggling with some sin for 25 years, you might consider that you have a problem it is not, let me say it this way, the problem's not with God. How do you get free? You have to learn to take possession of the kingdom. That starts with some bold, courageous action. That starts with something that is trust from beginning to end. The Apostle Paul said in the first chapter of Ephesians, somewhere around the 18th verse, he prayed for the people. It's almost as if the power that is ours is veiled from us. As if something about our flesh just has the hardest time seeing what God has given us. Go to Ephesians, the first chapter for me, John. I want everybody to be able to see it on the screen. Be Ephesians 1, 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Their natural state is darkened, friends. So he prayed that they would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He prayed that we would knock the scab off of our eyes so that we could see the power that is ours. Don't settle for something less than the kingdom in your life. Don't settle for domination in some area. Don't settle for subjugation on any level. The kingdom is ours. Well, Eric, what does that mean? Does it mean I can't wear glasses? What does it mean? I want you to wrestle with that, with Jesus. I take ibuprofen when I get a headache, right? Doesn't bother me at all. I don't know why. I'm not, I'm not giving you a list of rules. If I have a headache, I take ibuprofen and I don't think anything about it. 
I have a major illness, and I pray for weeks before I go to a doctor. Now, I'm not telling you that's what you should do. It bothers me. It bothers I don't ever want to rely on the world. The kingdom is ours. Is it true that sometimes you just don't get healed? Sometimes we're allowed the privilege, the high honor of persevering under trial, that our, our faith might be tested, that we might become mature and complete and not lack anything. But that does not alleviate you from the struggle of trust. It does not alleviate you from putting the kingdom first. When I pray, you cannot walk up to somebody and say, maybe you will, maybe you won't. You can't do that. You were told to pray for the sick. You were told to preach the kingdom. Whether he heals them or not is up to him. But you have to want it. You have to dare to do it. Everybody you preach to, do they get saved? Hmm. <laughs> it's too small a group to do it tonight. But it's awful fun to be in a larger group and say, everybody you preach to, do they get saved? Look at your neighbor. Do you think he's saved? <laughs> How many of you in this room are not saved tonight? Our job is to carry out our commission. The kingdom will meet you in your faith. And he will back the position that he puts you in. Are you hearing me? We've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We've seen them throw down their walkers. I've lived to see tumors fall off of human beings. I know what the kingdom is. And I want to take possession of it. And sometimes I'm like a blind man grasping, trying to figure it out. And other times I see perfectly. So our prayer is that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. That we might know the hope to which we were called. That we might know this incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And who else did he raise out of death and seated in the heavenly realms? You. There's not a miracle that was done in Christ that's not done in you. There's no miracle power that Christ had that you don't have. Oh, that might feel blasphemous to you, but you need to think about it. Everything that he had, he gave to us. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go preach my kingdom. He said it. He said it plain as day. We're going to close with Matthew 10. This is a horse I will probably ride for many weeks, many months, maybe the rest of my life. You know why? It's the kingdom. Tell me when you get to Matthew 10. Let's pick up in verse 7. As you go. It doesn't say as you sit. As you hide, as you tremble in fear. It says, as you go. <clears throat> Something about the kingdom has to do with going. Something about the kingdom intrinsically has to do with leaving the comforts of death and moving towards life. Guys, the kingdom always comes at great cost. What's it going to cost you? Your life. But what will you find? His life. As you go, it might not be convenient. It might not be comfortable. You might actually have to hurt a little bit. You might know what it is to have the fellowship of his sufferings. As you go, preach this message. Don't you want to die when you go to heaven? Don't you want to go to Disney World? Don't you want chocolate and candied apples? 
Is that the message we're supposed to preach? Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. You know why the kingdom of heaven is near when you're preaching the message? Because you're standing in the kingdom and they can stand in it too. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Have you been free in the way that you've given the kingdom? Do we pass people up every day that need it? Every time you see a woman in a burqa, every time you see a man who looks like he's walking his family on a leash, I want you to remember the kingdom's near if you're standing there. So you can legitimately walk up to a Muslim and say, the kingdom of God is near you because I'm a son of the kingdom. If they looked in your eyes and saw something other than fear, they might be intrigued. If they looked in your eyes and saw something other than hate, they might be intrigued. Look, the deeper the darkness, the brighter your light will shine. You are of the kingdom. Take possession of it. So as you go, what do you do? Preach. What do you preach? The kingdom. And then you heal the sick. You raise the dead. You cleanse the lepers. You cast out all demons. So as you go, what do you do? Preach. What do you preach? Kingdom. The kingdom. And then you're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Is that not scriptural? I mean, you act like I'm telling you something you've never heard before. As you go, what are you going to do? Preach. You're going to preach. And when necessary, you'll use words. Everything about your life is going to preach. Everything about you is going to demonstrate that you are in the kingdom taking possession of it. The smile on your face, the kindness, the deeds that you're doing, whatever they are, and when necessary, you can explain it to them. You're going to preach the kingdom. And when you see a sick person, you're not going to shy away. You're going to get excited because that's what the kingdom is. We preach the kingdom, we heal the sick, we raise the dead. We cleanse the lepers. We cast out demons. It's funny that we love theology, huh? We love to talk about the inerrant word. We love to talk about things like substitutionary atonement. We like to see how beautifully the Sermon on the Mount was put together. But when we get to something as simple as we're going to go preach the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons, it gets quiet. How could that possibly be? This is Jesus' as general pattern. Say, you know what? You know what we're going to do? We're going to go expand my kingdom today. And this is how you're going to do it. You're going to kick every devil in the face. You're going to liberate every prisoner. You're going to stomp on and trample on all the power of the enemy, and it will demonstrate my victory. How do we sit here and just... You get a chance tomorrow. You're going to sit at a table. Some of the family members that you sit with are outside of the kingdom. Some of them are worse than that. They're snakes and scorpions. At least if they're like my family. So what do we do? Is your battle against flesh and blood? No. What's it with? Spiritual powers and principalities. So how is it that you handle them? Well, as you go, you preach the kingdom. And you take their territory by 
healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, and casting out demons. Amen. It began in faith. Will it continue in faith? Do you guys have faith for this? Yes. Or do you just want to be mildly entertained by it and go eat some turkey and come back and hope we're preaching about something else? Because this is probably the message for a long time. You know when we'll stop preaching this message? When all the dead are raised, all the lepers are cleansed, all the demons are cast out. When, every, when people see you coming, they're like, Oh my God, the kingdom! The kingdom! The kingdom! Then we'll preach something else. <laughs> but until when you show up, people start yelling, The kingdom's here. Then this is probably what we need to preach. Is that agreed? Yeah. Y'all know what amen means? Amen. Who knows what amen means? So, so you've just asked me to stay on this message until we see it. Stand your feet. I think the book is in the library. There's one called The Believer's Authority in Christ. He definitely believes these things. and teaches on them well. You know who else believed them? Every apostle. Everyone. And all believers took this as normal Christianity. Until our theologians got hold of us and made it about us. Amen. I want an unselfish Christianity. I want one that's based on sacrifice and liberating others. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach the good news of the kingdom. So as I go, I'm going to preach preach the message of the kingdom. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. And I'm going to cleanse lepers. And I'm going to cast out demons. I'm going to do that not because I'm powerful, but because I have authority. And he has all power and he's put it in my disposal. Let's pray.